Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. Hi, I'm going to try to preach this message. I'm going to be a little sad through it, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Because I got to. Amen? This is the finale of this Breed series. And... um. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of taboo surrounding the Holy Spirit, especially depending on what your experience with the Holy Spirit is. Um, Some people have had encounters with the Holy Spirit that they will never forget, and not in a good way. They've had encounters with the Holy Spirit, and they've seen how um, people have manifested different responses to the Holy Spirit. Um, and because of it, sometimes the Holy Spirit can seem scary. Holy Spirit can seem like it's something, just is not something that we can understand. But the truth of the matter is, when Jesus ascends to heaven, God sends the Holy Spirit to remind us of the things that Jesus said to us. And he also sent the Holy Spirit to empower us for what is ahead. God never wanted to leave us alone. He wanted to send us the paraclete or the comforter, the assistant, the helper. You're not supposed to walk through life alone. Even if no human wants to walk alongside you, you should always have the Holy Spirit. And the day you accept Jesus in your life, the Holy Spirit is in you. It is upon you and he will empower you with gifts to do what God has called you to do. Amen. The Holy Spirit shouldn't scare you. The Holy Spirit should be as natural to you as breathing. So we call this series Breathe because in the Hebrew, that word spirit is ruach. Now, when you say that word, it literally should mimic um, the, the cycle of breath going in and out of your lungs. So even the way you breathe is the way that you say that word in the Hebrew because God wants you to know that the spirit of God in you should be as common or as normal in you as breathing. Why do I say that? You can't live without air, but you definitely cannot live without the Holy Spirit. So when we breathe in and breathe out, it should remind us of God's presence in our life. And We started this series, Breathe, to really talk about the Holy Spirit and its gifts and its fruits and its power and what it empowers you to do as you run towards purpose. But today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit from a different angle because the Holy Spirit actually prepares you for war. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. We'll read it together. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you're online, welcome. Uh, if you got a Bible, good old leather-bound Bible. Let me see. Hold it up. Let me see. Who, who still has one of those? Good, good stuff. We got tables here. That's the awesome part about being in school. You can flip that out. Notepads. Anybody taking notes? Good. Awesome. Uh, if you don't have any of those things, you can just pull out the Cool Church app. All the notes and things that I'm going to talk about are right on there. But let's dig right into Ephesians 6. Chapter, uh, excuse me, verses 10 through 18, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 in the NIV read like this. These are the words of Paul to the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it's not if the day of evil comes, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. I love that. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen? If you're taking notes on this message today, this final message and breathe, I've entitled it this the armor you got the gifts you got the fruit now we're going to talk about the armor let's pray father god i thank you i thank you for this day for this is the day that you have made god let us rejoice and be glad and god i thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis you knew each and every human that was going to be here today god may i lie down as you rise up don't let these words be my own but let them come directly from your throne room of grace i pray that hearts minds and ears are open and receptive to a word that will always be about jesus Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, Jesus. May you introduce yourself to someone, Jesus, that does not know you. May you reintroduce yourself to someone that is far from you. I pray that you will rule and reign in this place today and that you will show yourself to the person that needs to see you the most. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody sit. Everybody sit. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place today. Amen. If this is your first time here, man, I want to welcome. Who would say this is your first time at Cool Church? Just raise your hand. First time. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. You could have been anywhere, but you're here. With that being said, I just want to, I want to start out by saying something, um, and, and I, I hope you, you understand how, how true this statement is, and I hope you, you, you feel the gravity of the statement that I'm about to make. The church of Jesus Christ is under attack. It's maybe your first time, and you're like, man, that's heavy. Yo, are you starting a message like that? This heavy. There's people in this room that probably don't know Jesus. That's okay. I'm just glad you. I'm just glad you came. I hope you. I hope you. 
I hope you feel who we are before we, we say who we are. I hope you, you know us by our love. When we say that we're created out of love, by love, and for love, I hope you felt the love when you walked in this room. But the church of Jesus Christ is under attack. And we would all do good to remember that no matter how much we may all differ in opinion on certain issues, Jesus still unites us all. Hear me when I say that because if you, if you watch the news the last week, all you hear is opinions and stances on specific issues. And if you listen to it long enough, you'll see the divisive nature that opinions can create amongst the body. There's people that love Jesus, but just because we all love Jesus doesn't mean that we're gonna agree on everything. There are people in this room that have different opinions about things than I do. It does not change the fact that I love you. It just doesn't. Why? Because we are all united under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna say this, and I'm not here to coddle people's feelings at all, but I, I need you to understand that if you came in here thinking this, I, I will still love you, and we can even have a conversation about it. I love conversations with people, and I love having tough conversations with people. But, but might I just add to this Jesus commentary as I'm, as I'm making this statement today, that Jesus is neither Republican or Democrat. Jesus is neither conservative or liberal. He's neither. Jesus is not Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, whatever label you want to put on him, he is sovereign. Because he is a king. He's not just any king. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords with all power and authority and what he's asked us to do being united under the banner of love is to be ready for war. Jesus is not your opinions. Jesus is truth. But he is not just truth. Jesus is grace. Grace doesn't bulldoze somebody with their opinion. Grace has a level of understanding to be willing to listen, even if it doesn't agree. What I would ask us all to do is to remember the banner that we are united under. Before you take to Twitter, before you take to Facebook, before you take to IG and let the world know what you think, Remember who knew you before you were a thought. His name is Jesus. And we must all be united under his love. Amen? You see, God is all-powerful. And he empowers us to live as a human on this earth through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knows 
that there is a time in every person's life where they will call, be called to stand up against the enemy. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you come from. At some point in this journey called life, you will have to make a stand. I've seen often so many times that when Christians do make stands, sometimes we stand against each other. And it's the worst stand you can make. Why am I standing against you when there's an actual enemy? I, I, don't, I don't have time to say things that are divisive. I'm about love. I'm about unity. I'm about what Christ has called us to. We don't have the time to go back and forth with one another on the issues. Because the reality is there's a true enemy that is against us all. You see, if God has really empowered us to stand up against the enemy, that I will stand here flat-footed and say, has no power. Some of y'all give the enemy too much power. He be testing me. He be trying me. The devil made me. The devil can't make you do anything you don't let him allow you to do. He has, the devil has no power. He is underneath our feet. He is so powerless, he lives every day with the constant reminder of his loss. He has, he won't be defeated, he has been defeated. The enemy has no power, no authority, no dominion, but we keep giving it to him. Ephesians 6, the reason we land there today is because though the enemy doesn't have power, it does show us what he does have. Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says, finally, I love the Apostle Paul because he's trying to give the church in Ephesus a warning because there's so many different things that are going on with the church at the time between false doctrine, false prophets, all kinds of stuff. He's like, hey, y'all got to be careful. So the final thing that I'm going to tell y'all before I end this book, before I end this letter, you got to be ready. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so. He doesn't just say put on the full armor of God. He gives you a reason, so, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It did not say so you can take your stand against the devil's power. He has none. He doesn't have power, but he does have a plan. You don't have to have power to have a plan. The enemy has no power, but he does have a plan. You say, what's his plan? Well, John 10, 10. But the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Sounds like a plan to me. He has an agenda. Forget about all the agendas you heard on CNN, on Fox, on, C, on, on MSNBC, whatever you heard. This is the agenda that matters. Because this is the agenda that is trying to literally steal your soul. Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has a plan for your life. And if you're not aware for it, you'll fall for it every time. Every single time. The truth be told is you cannot fight an enemy you are not aware of. 
I've said this often, but the devil deals in distraction. If he can keep you distracted fighting your own brothers and sisters, then he is free to allow his plans to manifest. So he wants to distract us. This is what he does. You can't fight the enemy that you are not aware of. And truth be told, some of us have no idea what we're actually up against. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Whatever you think it is, it ain't that. It ain't your boss. It ain't your husband. It ain't your wife. It ain't your boyfriend. It ain't your girlfriend. It, 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 ain't, it, ain't, it ain't they, whoever they is. They don't want you to win. It ain't they. It ain't them. It's not what you think it is. For the struggle is not against flesh and blood. So stop, stop pointing to a person and declaring them your struggle. They're not your struggle. The Bible says it's not flesh and blood. Stop making people your struggle. They're not your struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is good and there is evil. What's good? God. God is good. But there's a real evil that is vying for your attention, that is vying for your soul that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Here's what Paul is trying to get the church in Ephesus and us in 2022 to understand. If we haven't come to the realization yet by the verses I've just read, he wants you to understand that you do not enter into spiritual warfare. You are already in it. Whether you want to believe that or not, hey, that's where we differ on opinion. You may not believe that. I'm here to tell you based upon God's word, it's already happening. Whether you're acknowledging it or not, there is a spiritual battle going on for your soul. And if you don't believe that, you're probably losing the battle. You say, well, Pastor, I ain't choose to be a part of this fight. I'm just minding my business and I only showed up because I knew it was going to be a cute girl there. I ain't come here for all that. I don't want no parts of that. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, sis. We all in it. You can run from it or you can actually acknowledge it. You didn't make a choice to be a part of it, but you can make a choice to stand. You can make a choice to stand. As a believer of God, this is what I love about God. God does not call us to stand in a battle that we did not ask to be a part of without equipping us. If he called you to stand in it, he's going to give you everything you need to stand in. I love it because he doesn't even say fight. He just says stand. The word of the Lord for somebody is some of y'all just doing too much. What you fighting? He didn't ask you to fight. He just said stand. God, I'm still in this. How long I'm going to be in this? You're going to stand there as long as I need you to. Stand. Stand. Because people are watching the way you stand. Stand. That's a whole nother message. As we talk about the armor of God, the first thing I want you to understand is that 
the armor provi provides a foundation for you to stand. You, can't, you cannot stand properly without the armor. The armor provides a foundation to stand. Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. And I'm just taking my time because the armor of God can sound so spiritual and I want you to understand how practical it truly is. Ephesians 6, 14 and 15 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I have my belt on today and the breastplate of righteousness with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The interesting thing about Paul writing this, I love this. Paul was a great storyteller, but he also, um, he was very observant. When Paul writes about the armor of God, you have to understand the context in which he does it. Paul, we know this, he'd been through a lot, but you know one of the things that Paul was in his life? He was a prisoner. He was a prisoner, and because he was a prisoner, he's writing this in the context from a prison with men that are standing on guard that are wearing what? Armor. These soldiers are on guard at the prison, so Paul sees this, and he breaks down what they are wearing in a spiritual manner. I love this, because the armor doesn't just come out of nowhere. Hmm, what's a good way to talk about how God equips us? Let me use armor. No, he was sitting in jail. Might I say that to say it doesn't matter what your current situation is, you can still arm yourself. So you think you got to be in the right situation to arm yourself. Paul was in jail and still knew once again, he was in a place where he was not physically fighting a battle because he was locked away, but he knew that he still needed to be equipped for the spiritual battles that were out there. He writes this in the custody of Roman soldiers. So he knew what a man prepared for war would look like. And he starts with this belt of truth. I love the way that the armor is talked about because even the order of the armor would have been the order in which a soldier would put the armor on. So he starts with the belt of truth. The belt, it protects the midsection, the abdomen, but it also gathers up all the undergarments and keeps them together. You cannot even put on the rest of the armor until you put on the belt of truth. It's not a piece that goes on top. It's a foundational piece that undergirds everything and keeps everything else in place. I love the fact that Paul uses the belt to equate to truth because the reality is, is that truth prepares you for battle. Truth is the first step in preparation for battle as a believer. And some of us lose the fight before it ever starts because we just don't even want to deal with the truth. I say you're in a spiritual battle. You say, no, I'm not. You lost. You lost because you don't want to deal with the truth that is in front of you. If you do not recognize the truth, you are ill-equipped for battle. But Paul understood that first you must have truth before you can stand. Truth is preparation. And everything we face, whether we want to admit it or not, or acknowledge it, everything you face in life has a spiritual component. Everything. Every single thing you're experiencing right now. From you not having enough gas to your car, for you thinking about divorce. Everything. 
has a spiritual component. And here's what I want to say to the believer out there that does not want to acknowledge truth. Just because you choose not to acknowledge truth doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because you choose not to acknowledge something and ignore it, it does not mean that it's not there. Not acknowledging the ball spot on my head does not mean I don't have a hair problem. At 25, I, I, I saw my fade starting here instead of here, and I was like, hmm, I could have ignored it. It wouldn't take away from the fact that I was losing my hair. Just because you ignore something. I, I, I love truth because truth gives you warning signs. Truth makes you aware to something that could be coming down the road. Not acknowledging that your clothes fit a little snug in this season than they did last season <laughs> does not mean that you may not have a little issue becoming fluffy. I admit it. I still got my quarantine 15. My shirt's got a lot looser these days. Not acknowledging your credit score doesn't mean that you don't have a credit and a stewardship problem. If I ignore the creditors, it won't go away. No, your score will just get lower. Just because you don't acknowledge something does not mean that it is not there. Not acknowledging that you keep dropping the ball on your job doesn't mean that you don't have a problem on your job. It's like everybody know that boss about to call you into the office except you. Just because you don't acknowledge it don't mean that it ain't true. Not acknowledging the distance in your relationship doesn't mean you don't have a relationship problem. When last time you been out on a date? When last time you just had a conversation? When last time you just enjoyed each other's company? Might I submit to you that being together ain't enough? Like I know people that have been together for a long time, but just because you're sitting in it for a long time doesn't mean that it's good. I don't just want a relationship. I want a great relationship. I love being married to my best friend. And I, 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 listen, our, our relationship is not perfect, but I see the warning signs. Let me miss a date night. She gonna let me hear about it. And she should. Why? Because she's exposing me to the truth about my situation. When you get exposed to the truth about your situation, do not ignore the truth. Not acknowledging sin in your life doesn't mean you don't have a sin problem. You gotta acknowledge it if you wanna change it. You gotta acknowledge it if you want to see something different. In order to be effective in spiritual warfare, you must first be honest with yourself and acknowledge that we are all fighting in this world whether we want to or not. Yeah. You gotta acknowledge it. Truth is foundational because you can't move forward without truth. I love what John 8:32 says. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you can be honest with yourself and tell the truth, you'll actually have a chance to stand and win in this fight. Some of us are sick of, of, of falling for the devil's schemes, but we have not first acknowledged the truth about where you are or what's actually happening. It may not be the thing that's happening to you. It might just be how you think about the thing. Because usually the thing is just symptoms of a deeper rooted issue that you have failed to acknowledge. Yeah. 
You got to start to tell the truth. You can lie to everybody else, but at one point or another, you got to be real with yourself. Start telling the truth about the situation. You can't even begin to put on the full armor of God unless you have enough awareness to start telling yourself the truth. But then there's the breastplate of righteousness. And, and I love this because this would have been the actual first piece of armor. The belt just held things up that were undergarments, but the breastplate would have actually been a hard plate, whether it was made out of uh, uh, tough leather or if it was made uh, um, out of metals that they would put on top of the leather. This would actually be the first real piece of armor. And I, I, I love that it is called the breastplate of righteousness. It's the first layer that the enemy ever comes in contact with. It's the first it's the first thing that takes the hits. And I love the breastplate because what does the breastplate do? It protects your vital organs. See, the enemy, he wants to hit you right here. He wants to hit you at the heart. Say, so how do I know that's true? Because you know what the enemy's favorite thing to do is to get you all up in your feelings. See, when you're in your feelings, you're here. You're not here. You're not thinking logically. There's a battle here, we'll get to that, but this is not, that's a part of the battle, but man, if he can get you in your feelings, if he can get you all caught up in that, that's what he wants, that's what he wants to attack first. He wants to hit you at the heart. And I, you know what I love? That it's not called the breastplate of my righteousness, it's just called the breastplate of righteousness. Why is it not called the breastplate of my Righteousness. Well, Isaiah 64, 6 gives us a clear picture of why it's not called the breastplate of my righteousness. It's called the breastplate of righteousness because Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as unclean thing. We are all as an unclean thing. That's some truth for you right there. No matter how good you think you are, the Bible says, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Does that sound like armor to you? Our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. Our inquiries like, a, like the wind have taken us away. The last time I checked, filthy rags don't provide much protection from anything. So if it's the breastplate of my righteousness, what is my righteousness? A filthy rag. A filthy rag cannot protect you when the enemy wants to attack you at the heart. So you are not righteous on your own. But I love that the Bible says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means the righteousness of Christ is on me, which gives me the confidence to wear not my righteousness, because my righteousness can't protect me from anything, but his righteousness is on me and it is firm and when God looks at me he does not see my righteousness but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so when he looks at me he doesn't see me he sees Jesus on me and his righteousness can stand up to any accusation that the enemy would ever try to throw at me because when the devil says oh you ain't enough oh you messed up you can put your chin up shoulders back and chest out saying you could take your best shot at me devil because I'm not protected by my righteousness I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you believe it say amen 
Your righteousness is not enough. I don't care how good you are. We are not good, for God is good. I like to think I'm good some days, but man, I promise you I'm not that good. At my best day, my righteousness is a filthy rag. You can blow, if, if I had a filthy rag, I could blow it off. I, 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 I love that because it says, it, it says, oh my goodness. And we, we, we all do face, it says that we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like wind have taken us away. That thing is so light, the, the wind, the devil's like, done with your righteousness. Blowing that thing off. That's why it can't be our righteousness. It has to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I don't want my heart exposed. If I'm the only protection for my heart, then my heart is done for. Jesus protects the heart. Thank God we are protected by this righteousness. And when God sees me, he does not see me for my sin. He sees me as the righteousness of God in Christ. If you take Jesus out of it, it doesn't work. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I love that because it gives me confidence. That's practically how that breastplate of righteousness should manifest in you. It should give you confidence as a believer that you are, are saved not by your works. You are not saved by the things that you have done. You are saved by what Christ has already done. I'm confident. I don't live with guilt and shame because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I make mistakes every day, and I say, God, forgive me, create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I say that every day of my life. I say, God, forgive me for my sins and help me live today better than I did yesterday. If I don't do that and if, I, if I'm not confident in what Jesus did, I'm not confident in me. I'm confident in what Jesus did on the cross. Because I'm confident in that, I can walk with a different swag. How you walk around every day with the breastplate of righteousness? I'm sick of seeing Christians like, hey, where's your confidence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason we don't walk around in confidence is because guilt and shame have stripped our armor. Guilt and shame have stripped you from what Jesus has done. I love on the cross, he says, it is finished. Have confidence in the finished work of the cross. Because you are not righteous. Jesus is righteous. If you accept him, his righteousness is on you. Amen? But then it says, it's talked about the sandals of the gospel of peace. Your feet are shod with the gospel of peace. I, I love this because the sandals had to be fitted to the soldier or they would not be good in battle. You could be the greatest fighter on the planet. You go into a battle with some messed up shoes. All right, y'all don't get that because y'all never fought. You could have the flyest outfit on the planet, ladies. Let them heels not be hitting right. You can't even walk with confidence because you're walking like this. Because them things don't fit right. You got a fly's outfit. If that, if, 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 if that heel hanging off the back. You don't walk with the same confidence. You don't walk with the same confidence because your feet have not been fitted. 
there's a, there's a, I understand this well. I am probably the most flat-footed person in this room. Like when I tell you my feet are flat, like they are flat, flat. There is no arch in my foot at all. Like I have no arch in my foot. So every shoe that I wear is uncomfortable. And what I had to do a long time ago, the doctor, my mom took me to the doctor, he had to make a mold of my foot and I got these special arches that I put in my foot to force my foot to have an arch because my foot is flat. If I don't wear my arches in my shoes, you would not see me, st I, honestly, I would preach the shortest sermons in life. <laughs> because if I stand there too long in shoes that were not made specifically for my feet, not only does it affect my feet, it starts to affect my back. Not only does it affect my back, it starts to affect my, my, my neck. And if you know anything about the spine, it is the nervous center for the entire body. Everything in your body is connected to your spine. So when your feet don't work properly, it throws your spine out of alignment and you can no longer stand confidently. I had to have something that was fitted specifically to my feet in order to be able to stand. I, I, I love this. I can wear Christ's righteousness confidently, but I, I, I love this. My feet still have to be ready to spread the good news to others. But you're not just spreading any good news. Yes, we know that Jesus is good news, but I love this because the good news that you spread on your feet must be tailor-made for you. What am I trying to say? If you have good news, if you have gospel that is tailor-made for you, there's another word that the old saints used to, used to say that we need to start saying it more because when you spread the gospel that is tailor-made for you that only you can say that nobody else can say, you know what the old saints used to call that? They used to call that a testimony. Let me tell you something. I love this because nobody could take away my testimony. Why? It's mine. It's specifically for me. It happened to me and my testimony is how I use my life to tell you how good God is. That's why my feet are ready with what? The gospel. The gospel of peace that was tailor made for me called my testimony. They could take everything else away from you but they cannot take away your testimony because it's tailor made for you. You might not know every word in this Bible you might not understand every passage, every scripture, but when the enemy says you ain't a good Christian because you don't read your Bible enough, you say, forget what you got to say, devil, because I might not know the word, but I know my testimony, and I know what God has done for me, and he ain't doing for nobody else, so you can't dispute it because God used my life, tailor-made it, designed it, so that somebody could see him through me. If you believe it, say amen. They can't refute it because it's yours. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead. My feet are shot with the red. I'm ready to tell the gospel. I'm ready to give my testimony. I'm ready to give the gospel because anytime I bring the gospel, you know what it brings? Peace.
My feet are shod with the readiness, the gospel of peace. I love this because this is foundational armor. But as we move forward, I want to talk about defensive armor. The armor, it uses your faith to defend. I love this. Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. I love that. Take up. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The previous pieces of armor were foundational, as I've already stated. And we wear them all the time. But this piece, Paul says to take up. Take up. Take up. This shield that he talked about would have covered a person's entire body. From the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. It was a fairly large shield. So once you grab this thing, your mobility wasn't crazy. Like you weren't in attack mode. This was, this was a straight up defensive weapon. Cover you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And I, I love that it says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Flaming arrows that were shot out by enemies were not meant to kill you. They were meant to confuse you. It would usually be a first wave of attack where massive swarms of flaming arrows would come upon a group of soldiers. And the fire, fire is already terrifying as it is, but it would be confusing. It would send up smoke. It would do all kinds of things to get the opposing um, um, uh, uh, combatant in disarray. So these arrows were not meant to kill. They were meant to confuse. And I love that he says, take up, because Paul is trying to help believers understand that there's going to be moments in your life where you really need to pick up some faith if you're going to stand in this war. It's going to be some moments, man. Like you can't rely on your grandmama faith forever. You can't rely on your praying mama, your praying daddy, your praying auntie faith. Paul says you got to take up your faith. You got to take up faith. And how... So how do I know that I have faith? The truth is about faith, you don't know if you have it till you actually need it. You don't know if you have it till you need it. Like you don't have to pick up faith until you've lost that job. You don't have to pick up faith until you get the bad diagnosis. Like you don't have to pick up faith until the bank says no to the loan. You don't have to pick up faith until your marriage is tested. You don't have to pick up faith until you haven't conceived the child that you've been believing God for. But when you pick up faith, and when you pick up faith, you have to realize how much power you're actually holding. I, I, oh, man, I wish people understood the power of their faith. Like, you can't pick up somebody else's faith. You have to pick up your faith. You have to pick up your faith. You may not think you, 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 I know there's people out there. You don't know my grandma. She's been praying since she was in the womb and she's a hundred now. Nobody got more faith than her. Really? Stop looking at other people's faith and pick up your faith. Because truth be told in the kingdom, you don't even need a lot. Jesus said with the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So, some of y'all are discounting mountain moving faith in yourself. 
How you discounting the faith to move a mountain? You know why you discount faith to move a mountain? Because you're comparing your faith to somebody else's. The greatest enemy to faith is comparison. Stop comparing your faith. And even if it's just a little bit of faith, imagine the things that you can move if you actually just decided to pick it up. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I love this because you may not think you have a lot of faith, but that, that mustard seed faith can move that mountain. But I love this because the shield of faith, its job is not just to stop the arrows. It's to take the fire out of them. You hear what it said? It says, shield of faith, which you can extinguish. Extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's not just to stop the arrows. Your faith takes the fire out of them. Faith, in essence, takes energy away from the enemy. Baby girl, they don't believe me, so I got to give them Bible. Faith takes energy away from the enemy. When you still believe that your marriage will work even when your, your, your spouse is acting crazy, it's because you got that Mark 10, 9 faith that says, therefore what God had joined together, let no one separate. When you still believe that your kids will get it together even after they've lost their ever-loving minds, it's because you got that Proverbs 22, 6 faith that says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. When you still believe that you will be healthy even after the doctors told you that there is nothing that can be done for your situation, it's because you got that Isaiah 53, 5 faith that says, by his stripes you are healed. When you still believe God's plan for your life, even though you have a hard time dealing with where this plan has taken you, it's because you got that Jeremiah 29, 11 faith that says, I know the plans that you have for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a future. And if you still believe that God cares about you when nobody else cares, when you've hit rock bottom and there's nowhere else to look but up, it's because you got that Matthew 11, 28 faith that says come to me all who are weary all who are tired and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy my burden is light your faith renders the enemy attacks useless I want to slap the fire out the enemy every day with my shield of faith. Enemy can come at me all he wants, but my faith takes the fire out of his arrows before he ever shoots one. And finally, we talked about the foundation armor and defensive armor, but the armor also sets your mind to attack. Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. With, and they say things like, man, Pastor, you don't know, man, I'm so far. Who told you how far you were? Who, like, who told you? You can't actually be far from Jesus if he's constantly pursuing you. 
we tell ourselves these lies like Jesus is over there and we're over here. The truth is, in eternity with God is over there and we're over here. You know where Jesus is? In the middle. touching my fingertips why you keep pulling away I'm closer than you think you told yourself this lie because the enemy wants to play in your mind you see if you allow God to renew your mind you won't question the salvation that Jesus Christ died to give you I may have questions about a lot of things but I do not question my salvation because if I question my salvation, I'm making a mockery of everything that Jesus ever did for me. I'm saying that his sacrifice wasn't enough. And it was more than enough. It was actually everything that humanity needed it to be because he was the perfect sacrifice. The truth is, this mental health battle that we talk about so much now, it is not just clinical. It is spiritual. It is so spiritual. Because if the enemy can plant a doubt in your mind about your salvation, he can drag your soul to hell with him. So I rebuke every thought. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that we would take captive every thought of us being distant from you God, the people that everybody said was too crazy, they were too far. God, I, I take captive every thought in the mighty name of Jesus that you can restore and renew their mind because you made their mind. God, I rebuke every negative thought they've ever thought about themselves. Every negative deposit everybody ever put in their spirit that said they weren't enough that said they were less than, that said they'd never make it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Let them know that they are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that they were made on purpose, by purpose, for purpose. I pray that the enemy cannot steal, kill, or destroy the deposit of life that you've placed inside of them. I rebuke every lie that's ever been told about you or them. May they gravitate towards your truth, towards your grace, but more than anything, towards your love. I rebuke the author of confusion, and I pray that life will infiltrate their minds. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Well, you need to give God the praise like he's doing something on your mind. The devil is, the prince of the air is roaming free now because he's dealing in confusion and we're all falling for it. You watch the news enough, he wants to put this side against this side. He wants to put this person against that person. He wants this identity against that identity. He wants us all confused so we don't focus on the real issue. But this is not a clinical battle. It is a spiritual one. 
sidebar, I believe in licensed clinical professionals. They have a perspective you don't. You're this close to your situation. They're this close to your situation. So they're going to see things that you don't see. It's always good to have accountability and another perspective on your situation. If you need therapy, go. Like, don't even go for you. Just go for the rest of us because we already know you crazy. Go. But pray. Pray that God would do the work of renewing in your mind. Because a, a therapist can show you things about yourself, but God has to reveal it to you deep down in your soul if you're ever going to make some change. Oh, man. But it's not just about the mind, because the mind is under attack. Your salvation is, in, is under attack in your brain every second of every day. But although we protect our mind with the helmet of salvation, we fight for our lives with the sword of the Spirit. It's God's Word. Hebrews says, 4.12, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I can always tell, I've been doing this long enough now, I can tell when there's inexperienced swordsmen around. It, it, do you have to know every passage in here? No. But some of y'all are like fighting and you've tied your own hands behind your back because you've showed up I got my full armor on, and you left your sword at home. And some of y'all, you ain't got a sword, you got a knife. You got a knife. Like you know, ah, verse. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Awesome. That's great. But what you gonna do in the depths of spiritual warfare when your knife can't reach the enemy? Some of y'all brought a knife to a sword fight. You know why you have a sword? Sword puts... <laughs> Nephew, you gonna preach my sermon for me? A sword, oh, I love when people can't... A sword puts distance between you and the enemy. Like the enemy knows who to mess with. I'm gonna mess with them because they, they ain't bring the right weapon to this fight. I can get... I can get close enough to them to mess with them. You got a sword? Let me back up. He's swinging that thing kind of wild. And if I get too close, devil, I will cut you. You know inexperienced swordsmen, they have no muscle memory. They keep getting hit by the same thing. When you have real muscle memory, when things happen, you learn how to counter or you learn how to respond the right way because you're used to doing exercises that will trigger, that will trigger specific movements when you're in the heat of whatever it is you're doing. Shout out to the Golden State Warriors. I wish the Miami Heat would have won the championship. But let me tell you something. You could love the Warriors 
you can hate them. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter that God ever put on the earth. You know why? He has skill, but that dude practices. Have you seen his practice? He just, whoosh, back up, whoosh, back up, whoosh, back up. He'd be all the way at the other side. I'm like, what, like, like, like we shooting from the parking lot now? Hours upon hours, days upon days, when cameras are on, cameras are off. He went a game in the, in the finals, he missed like nine straight. It was like, oh, he's done. He came back the next game and hit 10. You know why? He's so used to that motion. Sometimes he may be off, but more often than not, he's not off because he's so used to doing the same thing when no one's guarding him, when three people are guarding him, the shot still falls because his body remembers what it's supposed to do in the heat of battle. There are believers that got one verse hidden in their heart. And you keep trying to go back to that thing and you're wondering why it's not effective when God gave you an entire book of life to read. It's muscle memory. You hear me quote a lot of the same scriptures. You know why? Because I do what the word says. I hide the word in my heart. You hear me say, pray the scripture. Why? Because when I pray the scripture, I pray God's will, not mine. I, I pray it. I say it, I read it. You know what I'm doing? I'm creating a spiritual muscle memory so that when, it's not if, when the spiritual battle happens, sometimes I might get an open shot and I hit it. But the shots that we all like to see is when they're surrounded and you hit it anyway. You know why? my muscle memory, my spiritual memory kicks in to affect and to effectively use the word of God in a pressure situation, it takes practice. You got to get into it, man. This thing needs to become your life. Like we could talk about all this spiritual armor, but I love that God gave us a physical representation of his sword. Use it. Your life may depend on it. In a pressure situation, I don't have to worry because I've committed so much stuff to memory that I know the Psalms 119.11 says that I have hid the word in my heart so that I do not sin against God. I know that when life gets crazy and I don't know which way is up and I still want to know that God is in control of my circumstance even when I'm not. I know what Romans 8.28 says. That all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So even if it ain't working out now, it's going to work out eventually because God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him. I know Isaiah 54.17 and no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises against me in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, amen. Hide the word in my heart. 
so that when the pressure of life comes, I didn't bring a knife to a sword fight, but I got distance between me and the enemy. He knows not to mess with me because if he comes too close, that sword will cut him at the heart. Put on your helmet of salvation and pick up your sword of the spirit and prepare your mind and your heart to fight back. You don't have to just take everything the enemy throws at you. Give him a taste of his own medicine. Don't just stand there and take a bunch of blows. God has given us one offensive weapon in his word. And here's the thing, like, you don't need to learn the word to defend God. God doesn't need your defense. Lions don't meddle in the affairs of lambs. Like, all these petty people thinking they're throwing shots at God, he's like, hmm. God don't need your defense. He needs you to cover ground. He needs you to take territory. He needs you to say, wherever I put my foot, this space belongs to the kingdom. You cannot take territory without the right weapons. But finally, it says in Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. I, I think when we hear that, we just think, pray for, pray for everybody that belongs to God. In essence, yes. But I want you to take a different thought about that. Don't just generally pray for everybody that you believe belongs to God. Pray for the people that you don't agree with that belong to God. Pray for the people that you differ on opinion with that belong to God. Pray for people who belong to God where your theology may be a little different than theirs. Pray for people that have claimed to belong to God, but you see they still on the journey and they struggling with something. Pray, pray for the people that belong to God that you don't like. Because stop acting like you like all of them. Because the moment somebody says they love God, but you also hear them say that they are this, that, or the other, then you know what you do in judgment? You turn up your face. Hmm. What Paul was trying to do was create unity in the church. He was trying to say, hey, pray for all brothers and sisters because we all out here trying to figure this out. Everybody that think you know it, none of us know it. We're supposed to go on this journey together and love each other in the process. Because you've heard it so many times, the devil is not scared of a big church. He is scared of a united one. The church of Jesus Christ is under attack because we're being pulled apart from the inside. It's not the outside attacks that are killing us. It's us going after each other. Instead of standing side by side with armor and the sword of the spirit and attacking the enemy like we were called to. Oh, man. You pray in the spirit, all kinds of prayers on all occasions. You no longer stand in a defensive position, but you take the fight to the enemy. 
I'm tired of the enemy bringing the fight to us. I'm going to take the fight to him with every breath I have in my body. Because what I am sick and tired of seeing is a divided church when God has called us to be a united one. With every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I'm praying for the person that came in here today that doesn't know you. I'm praying for the person that came here today that the devil has infiltrated their mind and made them think that they are less than they already are. I'm praying for that person to respond to this call right now. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I ain't gonna front. I've never received Jesus or I have, but I've kept my distance because I thought when I did it before, the enemy made me feel the guilt and shame of the mistakes I made, so I just been staying away. I, I need to reconnect today. I, 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 need, I, I need Jesus, because right now, I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting torn up in this fight every day. And I need Jesus. And I need confidence in my relationship with him to be the foundation of my armor. You don't have to walk out of this place not being confident of what Jesus Christ did for you. He did it for you because he loved you and there's nothing you can do to change what he did for you. If you need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've known him, but you've never known him. I, I love it because I ain't even make the call yet and people know. God bless you, brother. Bible I read says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you in front of my father. Brother, I could look at you right now and say, Jesus is proud of you. He is shouting your name. You say, God, you see him. It's one brave soul, but I'm sure there's more. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to answer that call, you tired of being scared. You tired of being lied to. You sick of running. You ready to stand and fight. You cannot do it without a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, boldly, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Hold it up. I see you and you and you and you and you and you. I said those yous because I want you to know you're not alone. If your hands up, stand up. You already took, look, somebody else already coming. Come on. Hands up, stand up. Don't be scared. You might as well come. You might as well come. They already looking at you. Everybody else in this room, stand up. You're not alone. I love that. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. You say, hey, pastor, I ain't brave like them folks. Like, I can't do all oh, more coming. I love that. They was like ready, and they just jumped up, man. That's hard for me. That's okay. That's okay. We're family. And I can't tell you how many times I made this journey because the devil messed with me in my mind and made me believe that I wasn't saved when I was. So I just want to be sure, and I want to make sure you're sure. So you can look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab them by the hand and walk them down. No shame. No shame. No shame. Come on. Just make sure. Come on. I love it. I love it. Praise God. Just be sure. Just be, come on. I say, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so proud of y'all. people coming hallelujah praise God for you 
some prayer team down here. Hallelujah. Greatest decision you could ever make in your life. You are not the enemy's toy to be played with. You're a mighty man or woman of God standing right now in the full armor of God. All you got to do is stand knowing that God stands with you. I want everybody, reach your hands towards our dear brothers and sisters. If you're up front, maybe you want to reach your hands to the sky. You say, why? It's the universal sign of surrender. Bible says in Romans 10 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he is raised from the dead you're saved confess and believe I want everybody in this room and online to say a prayer after me but when you say it mean it and when you say it know that the enemy cannot take away your salvation in the name of Jesus I want everybody to repeat after me say dear Jesus dear Jesus I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Now, and forever. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, come on. See that sign? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. You are not somebody to be played with. You're a member of God's family. You're not just a member, you're a soldier ready to fight at all times. And you say, Pastor, I can't even fight. That's okay. Just stand. Just stand. Because the world's going to see how you stand. Amen? I got a little gift for you. DeAndre, I keep telling you, I'm from Carroll City. I got hands. I'm never going to miss this, okay? It's the gift. There's a Bible. It's like a WWJD bracelet and like a, a letter from me and Pastor Joe. Just like an introduction. To this family cool gift that we want to give you and if you got questions about the decision you made we ain't scared of your questions we may not even have the answers to them all I will never profess to do that but I promise you they're all in God's word so if you got questions about the decision you made we got folks that'll be like hey whatever question you got I'm gonna try to give you the best answer I can and our cool culture class helps with that as well so you're not just making blind decisions all right um, but I'm gonna ask you to walk that way in a second. They'll just be out in the courtyard. That's where everybody going anyway. They're not getting raptured. They're not getting indoctrinated. They're just going to the courtyard. Okay, I just want to say that. All right? But before that happens, we're going to cheer for y'all louder than anybody's ever cheered for y'all in your life. Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't open up the ceiling to show you, but I can help you hear what it sounds like. So on the count of three, y'all better cheer louder for them than y'all ever cheer for anything in your life. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know God loves them. Y'all can walk that way. Let them know that their sons and daughters are the most high God. Let them know they are not to be played with. Let them know they are soldiers. <laughs>
be some people in this room that say, I know I'm a soldier, but man, I be getting beat up. It's time for you to put on that belt of truth. Time for you to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Time for you to grab hold of that shield of faith and extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Time for you to put on that helmet of salvation. But this is my challenge to you. You grab a hold of that sword of the spirit and you fight back. Do not fight with more opinions. Do not fight with more perspectives. Do not fight with more division. You fight with scripture. Because there's enough confusion in the world already. It needs to be clear that we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. If, if you want to stand boldly as a soldier in God's army, and if you want to learn more by his word than you ever have in this season, raise both hands in the air. I, I, listen, I'm trying to take territory. I, I, if, if all you can do is stand, that's okay. I'm going to stand with you. But don't be mad if I, if I move forward because I'm going to continue taking ground in Jesus' name. And I need people that's going to take ground with me. Amen? Father God, I pray that you would release a confidence and a boldness of the mighty Holy Spirit over every believer in this place today that they will not sit back and take shots or fiery darts from the enemy one day longer, but they would take up, they would pick up their faith and they would extinguish the energy from the enemy in their homes, at their workplaces, in their relationships. God, I pray that there will be some powerful, strong, mighty men and women of God that stand on your principles, that stand on your character, that stand on your fruit, that stand on your gifts, that stand on your power, that we are united in love to overtake an enemy who has already been defeated in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. If you believe it, raise your hands, open your mouth, and worship him in this place today. so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.